30 years after electricity privatization, how has it come to this? How could it possibly be the case that in uh, the event of a storm, customers could be cut off for a week or more? How could 25 supply businesses go bust? How could those suppliers not have covered their position in taking into account the possibility, just the possibility, the gas price may go up rather than down? And how has it come to it that we're still playing games potentially in the balancing market and the generators gaming the system, or at least some of them? This is not what was intended at privatisation. This is not the model people had in mind. And if you look back over those 30 years, surely it's time to stand back and say, not only what lessons are there to be learned about how to regulate and how to structure a private electricity market, but more fundamentally, is that underlying structure fit for the purposes of the net zero challenge and the things that we need to do in the 21st century and urgently? Remember, it's only 13 and a bit years until we're supposed to have substantially, almost completely decarbonized the electricity industry. Does anybody really think that the existing electricity distributors, who some of whom can't even reconnect people within a week, the suppliers who can't even organize their finances against a relatively simple price cap, does anyone think that that's an industry fit for the purposes within 13 years of translating us from where we are now to a substantially decarbonized electricity system? It just doesn't add up. And let's just drill into this. How did it come to pass that electricity companies, distribution companies, faced with a storm? I mean, a storm. Storms happen right through electricity systems around the world. You don't go in the Northern Hemisphere uh, to a number of countries that face winter and say, oh, how many weeks are you cut off for electricity because the wind has blown? It's just not acceptable. And it's not a matter of luck. It's not a matter of uh, the gods descending upon us. It's the lack of resilience. These businesses have not got the resources, not only to help limit the damage from a storm, but actually deal with it when it turns up. You know, they don't even have the resources to answer the phone sometimes. This isn't what we would expect. And for all the denigration of how the nationalised system worked, it wasn't like this. And if you ask, well, why haven't these uh, electricity distribution companies got the resilience that's required in a modern industrial economy? The answers, well, in the, what's happened over the last 30 years. In the 1990s, the newly privatised companies played games, big time games. They had an initial forecast of capital expenditure of a certain amount. And then four years later, they'd only spent half and frankly pocketed the difference. They engaged in massive financial engineering, just like the water companies did. The balance sheet wasn't there to finance investment, which wasn't being paid for by current customers, pay when delivered rather than pay as you go. It was used for financial gain, for the profits of the owners of the business. That's the incentives that privatisation 
put in front of them. You can't blame profit maximizing companies for being profit maximizing. We had this phenomenal M&A activity. I don't know how many times the electricity distributors have been bought and sold in the last 30 years. I did document it in the cost of energy review I did for the government, but it's a, it's a table with pages attached to it. Why am I as a customer? Why more importantly are those people in the Northeast who were cut off for so long better off because companies kept changing hands? So much for the capital market and the capital market of control. That's not what ordinary customers want. They want a decent service, a reliable service. And when there are power cuts, which I think everybody accepts there will be, a decent response. These companies don't have the financial resilience and they don't have the incentives to do the job properly as it stands. And we all knew that. That's why we have regulation. That's what regulators are supposed to do. They're supposed to scrutinise the business plans of these companies and ask the question, given their licence obligations, do they have the resources in place to do the job properly? Now, I've heard it said by representatives of the electricity distributors that, well, you know, it's not our fault because the regulator wouldn't allow us enough money at the price review. Come on. A price review is the scrutiny of a business plan from a company. And if the company thinks that it hasn't got enough money to carry out the functions, which are a decent, resilient supply and distribution of electricity, then they should appeal. There's a perfectly straightforward appeal mechanism. I don't think any of the electricity companies at the heart of the current performance or lack of performance in the face of a storm appealed. They didn't. They accepted they had enough money to do the job which their license conditions mandated. Now, it's true. Ofgem should have been a bit more sceptical, should have looked harder, should be testing these companies, asking them, what is their emergency response if the wind blows a bit hard? What are they going to do? How quickly are they set up to respond, not just on the ground, but also to the customers? Do they have a answering phone system with someone at the other end who can actually deal with people's queries? Imagine yourself stuck in a remote location. Perhaps you're elderly. Perhaps you have health problems and there's no electricity. You need to ring someone up. And you can't just go on the internet because, of course, the internet doesn't work when you've got a power cut. So you do need a support framework. And it's the regulator's duty to ensure these companies are up to scratch. And what we now know is they aren't. So that needs to be addressed. We can't go on like that for another 30 years, especially when intermittency from wind in particular, but also solar and decentralised powers in the net zero frame is going to make resilience harder for the companies and the need for the capacity to handle this in all its elements, financial and physical, is going to be more important, more critical. And of course, for the distributors too, they're at the sharp end of the electrification of transport. It's not rocket science to fix this stuff. Loads of countries all over the world fix this stuff. It's just that we've been caught napping. And if we turn to the supply side of the story, I mean, how do we possibly get into a situation where a rise in the price of gas leads to a potential extra bill for every customer in Britain of between, say, £85 and £120, depending on how you measure it, just to bail out the failures of the companies which didn't make proper provision for this kind of event. 
How do we allow that to happen? Who was asleep at the wheel? And how is it these directors are not held responsible for what they've done? I think it beggars belief that a regulatory system could have got to that state. Now, again, it's perfectly fixable. There's nothing wrong with a price cap. There's nothing wrong with providing prices six months. Indeed, my view, there should be a year ahead uh, to customers and then going out as a supplier and contracting long term, six months, a year, to make sure that you back the customers you have with the supplies that you need to guarantee that you can deliver those supplies. Again, it's not rocket science. It's pretty straightforward. Why wasn't it done? How were profit-seeking companies allowed to get away with what has happened? And why are we, the customers, the rest of the customers, picking up the tab for it? Now, it's not just distribution supply there are issues. There are issues in Generation 2 and in the so-called balancing market. There's some evidence of some, let's say, questionable behaviour yet to be proven. But at least in the electricity side of the market, there are auctions. There is an element of competition and there are penalties when companies don't deliver what is they promised. In my view, not big enough penalties, but nevertheless, they're there. So if you take the totality of it, generation not in such a bad state as distribution supply, but an industry which is going to struggle to work out how it's going to do fast track to net zero or nearly net zero in electricity in the space of 13 years. And for the economy as a whole to provide the basic energy input for a complete net zero within 28, 29 years. It's time to stand back. It's time to take another look at what's going on. And just as the problems we've run into from the behaviour of the companies seeking profits in the last 30 years are not hard to discern, it's also not hard to work out what a proper resilient electricity system would look like with the twin objectives of achieving net zero and maintaining security of supply in all its dimensions, from putting the wires back up after a storm through to having a decent supply contract to supply customers to actually being able to generate the power sufficient to feed into the system. I was asked to look at the cost of energy in 2017 and I produced the cost of energy review. And in there, I set out a set of necessary reforms which were practical, implementable and would have created a sustainable structure for this industry going through to net zero. It's about system regulation, about system operators, taking these things out of the distribution companies and indeed the transmission companies. It's about proper regulation of supply and particularly the supply margins and dealing with some of the atrocious behaviour by the supply companies in advance of the introduction of the price cap. Lest it never be forgotten, there were good reasons for putting a price cap in, in place, given the litany of fines and interventions that were necessary in advance of that and some of the practices that went with it. So you need to do the system regulation through system regulation, through system operators, through uh, proper regulation of supply. And you need an electricity generating market which delivers the capacity what I called equivalent firm power 
to ensure that in a world of intermittent generation, and you know, 40 gigawatts of wind is a lot of intermittent generation, that the lights are going to stay on and therefore the public is going to have a secure source of supply so that they can get comfortable with decarbonisation and with large-scale renewables. The government chose to ignore the recommendations. That's their choice. My report was recommendations to the government. The government of the day has to decide. But what it can't do and what it couldn't do is decide not to do anything about it and then expect the world to be fine as a result. As I would put it, getting lucky is not an energy policy. What's required is a framework that's robust to the scale and scope of the challenge going forward. And if anyone wants a wake-up call, go and talk to some of those people who've spent over a week not connected to the electricity system because of the lack of resilience that those systems obviously had and were unable to even talk to someone on the phone without waiting hours to get through. So it's time to do it. There isn't much time left. 13 years to the 235 target is pretty near. And what the government needs to do is get off the strategy of relying on luck and get on to seriously sorting out this market so the next 30 years can have many, many positives to address some of those negatives that we've had in the last 30 years. Thank you.